Hello and welcome to Grace Life Ministries. We're a gospel-centered, disciple-making, church-planting ministry focused on helping you discover the reality of Christianity and walk in the fruitfulness of all that Jesus came to give you, the abundant life that's available to you. We trust that this teaching will help you grow in your relationship with God and be a blessing to you. As we get into this first session, and as we just take note of what you're saying to us, I thank you, Father, that it's a... Now, just have your way, that we would just be attentive and not distracted and, and just ready to receive, Father, in Jesus' name. Yes, I've prayed about this conference um, yeah, my heart has been stirred with a lot over the past months, and then especially over the last couple of days. Um, and the last couple of days more enforced what was being stirred the last month. So that was quite amazing. But um, it's become more and more refined. And I really, like I said, believe that today there's a word in season for us and for you. So it's individual and corporate. You know, when, when we look at the Bible from Genesis to Malachi... Um, you know, and I've been meditating on this and thinking about it. When, when you look at the whole book, um, there's some definite conclusions that we can come to. Okay? And I've been amazed at, if you think about it, how so, so often we don't come to those conclusions. <laughs> we, 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 we don't, it does, like what's so obvious doesn't actually get to us. I don't know how that worked, but I mean, I'm guilty as charged. For years and years and years, like the obvious, if it was a snake, it would have bit me. You know, because it's not, um, it just, um, I just didn't see that or didn't get there. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, like if we look at it from Genesis to Malachi, there's some definite conclusions. One of the definite conclusions we have to come to, there's many, I'm sure, but God is good, God is love, and God is faithful. We, We cannot doubt the character and the nature of God, that God is good and He's always good. Amen? Even in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of pain, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of chaos, we have to conclude God is good, God is love, and God is faithful. And you can go to a a verse like John chapter 10, verse 10, which says, The thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. From that you can only conclude that if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's not. It's got nothing to do with God. Death has nothing to do with God. Isn't that amazing? And what's amazing is when you say a statement like that, automatically, because of our religious upbringing, we're like, but hang on a minute. (laughs) What about this? And what about that? And we kind of start to want to bring up a whole bunch of whatabouts. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Before we we get into anything else, let me stir you or aggravate you a little bit. (laughs) I'm sure this will bless you. I'm going to aggravate you maybe on a couple of levels. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. It, you know, I, I said this previously in um, um, 
uh, I think it was in Rondebosch. But as pastors um, and as leaders, our job isn't to entertain. Uh, it's to, to mature. It's to love. It's to shepherd. It's to, to get into the Word. To, to, to lead you somewhere. And sometimes it's not comfortable. Um, so to quote Etienne, a good word is a challenging word. There you go. The tiger burger is neither the drill. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, and it goes on. But the key there I want you to see is who, Jesus, the son, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. The word express image there, if you look it up, means exact replica. Exact replica. Other translations put it like that if you go look it up. Exact replica. You know what that verse is saying? It's quoting what Jesus said. You know what Jesus said? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay? Here's the, 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 the challenging thoughts I'll start off with. Is when we study the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, we cannot come to any conclusions apart from Christ. If you see something in there and you're like, like it, 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 it's, it's not Jesus in His nature and His character, then it's not God. Sure. And that creates a lot of questions. Yeah. Questions aren't bad. Questions aren't evil. I'm just not here to answer your questions all today. <laughs> but the key there is, it's not, if, it's, if it's not representative of Christ, if it doesn't say this is His nature, this is His character, then it's not God. And I know that it raised questions for me the first time I thought of that. Because this is saying, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So did the simple, the simple one, the easy go-to, did Jesus ever put sickness on someone? No. Did He ever go to someone and say, you know, here's a blessing of cancer for you? No. Did He ever do anything like that? No. Don't panic. It's not going to pop. It's not going to explode. <laughs> we just switch it off. You know, did Jesus ever, ever do something like that to anyone? No. He was, he was always only... He demonstrated what good is in healing the sick and defeating the works of the devil. Okay? So there's a good thought <coughs> that, that, you know, for... As we read Genesis to Revelation, one of the conclusions is, is that God is good, God is love, God is faithful. And that's, we, we come to know the nature and character of God by interpreting it through Christ. So you can look at Exodus and come to some conclusions about what you think God is like. But then when you get to Jesus and you try and bring the two together, some of your conclusions without Jesus are incompatible with Jesus. And you need to be careful about that. Okay, because the true nature of God is revealed in Christ, not in Genesis to Malachi. It's revealed in Christ. And we need to make sure we interpret Genesis to Malachi through Jesus. Okay? So, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through to maps. So if you've got a Bible, a real Bible. It finishes in maps. If you've got an electronic Bible, it doesn't finish in maps. But it, when, you know, in the whole of the Bible, what, one of the things that we see from Genesis onwards is God is a God on mission. God is a God on mission. God is a God on mission. 
Okay? We see it in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26 to 28. What does he say? Be fruitful, multiply. Be fruitful, multiply. That probably doesn't mean what you think it means. But be fruitful, multiply, take dominion. You know, you know that anything written in Genesis, I mean, anything written in Matthew to Revelation, I'm going a bit otherwise now, uh, deeper, but anything written in the New Testament doesn't counter what was in the Old Testament. It's like, what, think about it. Jesus is quoting the Scriptures. Paul is quoting the Scriptures. Peter's quoting from the Scriptures. What are the Scriptures? It's definitely not Matthew to uh, Revelation. He, he's got a Bible that he's quoting. What is the Bible that he's quoting? Genesis to Malachi, the Old Testament. Okay? So he's quoting from the Old Testament, which means he has a textbook. So if we want to understand what Paul is talking about, if we want to understand what Jesus is talking about, we, we do well to go to the textbook, and find out what is he interpreting here for us. What, how is he explaining this? Because they're explaining what was written. And one of the things that Paul says is that what was written was a mystery. But now it's been revealed. Okay, so there's just a few bits and pieces there. But Genesis chapter 1 verse 26-28 where it says, Be fruitful, multiply. Where he's giving that commission. Jesus quotes that. Or let me, put, let me, let me go back farther, uh, rather to Abraham. The, a similar thing is, is, is said to Abraham. Okay, what is, what is said in Genesis chapter 12? Um, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And through you all nations of the earth shall be blessed. It's the same thing just in a different language. Okay, the one is in the, Mos in, in the, the language of Moses, because Moses wrote Genesis. And the other one is in the language of Abraham, what was spoken to Abraham. But then you go further down the line, and what do we see? Jesus quoting the same thing. What does He say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So you see the Great Commission was always, it's just, we got a, a fuller message if you want to say that now. Okay? A more colorful message. So, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, if you've got a hard copy, a hard copy Bible all the way to maps, it says um, that God is on a mission. And that's one of the conclusions that we can make. Okay? Through Jesus, that mission is expressed differently, but the mission has been going on from the beginning. And we have an invitation to be part of it. Okay? Um, and I believe this is kind of what, what, we, what, we, what taps into the um, reality of Christianity. Because now, the reality of Christianity is really Christ in you, the hope of glory. The reality of, the, of Christianity is now, you're not serving a God who's somewhere out there, but He's one with you. 1 Corinthians 6.17 He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with Him. So, there's a, you know, it's not just religion, it's not just some kind of... Um, thing that we do or think. It's not a, a... Christianity is not a religious exercise. It's life. It's the Spirit of God coming to dwell in us for eternity. That's why we don't mourn as those who mourn without hope. Because we're not without hope. Because the Spirit of God is in us for eternity. Amen? So... 
The reality is, is now that, you know, like um, in John chapter 7, uh, 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 at the feast, Jesus stands up and he says, um, if anyone believes on me, he's going to have streams of living water flowing from within him. And then it explains, the Bible explains itself then says that it's talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay? So this is the reality of Christianity, that the Spirit comes to dwell in us and then comes to flow out of us. And so every single one of us who are believers here are fountains of Jesus. Like, we, just, we should just be continuous, just fountains for Jesus everywhere we go. There's just this living water flowing from within us, which obviously impacts us and obviously blesses and refreshes us. But imagine what it can do to those around us who have no hope. Imagine. That's the reality of Christianity. Okay? And I mean, I'll use many different examples, but my, my best example right now is, is uh, what I, I saw in Etienne, I think it was yesterday, when we're at the morgue, and the lady who's assisting us, um, you know, we're busy doing some paperwork and whatever, and what does he say to the lady? Are you a child of, of, of uh, God? He's not uh, being self-centered in that moment. He's like, you know, I've got a mission here. And he's, he's ready to go for it. And she's like, yes. You know. And I said, how could you not, be in a, <laughs> not, not believe in God if you have to work with this all day? Every day. And that's what it means. It's not something that's difficult to switch off and on and off. We're not, like, we're not playing like that with our, our living water. It's like, it's something that once you're flowing in it, it doesn't need the perfect stage. Because wherever we go, it's an opportunity to be a blessing. And through us, all nations be blessed. Quoting Genesis chapter 12. You know, the be fruitful and multiply is making disciples. That's God's desire. That's His mission. That's His mandate. Be fruitful, multiply. That's what we can do because of who's living inside of us. Another thing that we see in the Bible, one conclusion that we can, another one we can make, and this is one that I've been thinking about for a while. Please, I come from the, the hyper-charismatic background, so I suppose now I'm charismatic with a seatbelt. So don't, uh, don't go all charismatic on me. But there's an unseen war going on. Now we're not going to do a Jericho march this afternoon. If you want to, we would love it if you did. But like we're not, you know, if you don't know what that is, find someone who's laughing. Um, but the point is, is that there's an unseen war going on, and yes, ultimately we win. But whether we know it or whether we don't know it, we're engaged in a war. Whether we know it or we don't know it, we're engaged in a war. Okay, and you know, the battle that's going on is a battle for the souls of men, for a battle for the hearts of men. And here's the thing, the consequences are eternal. The consequences are significant. Okay? This is going to be the most encouraging conference you've ever been to. Yeah, it might not be what you were looking for, but I believe this is what we need. Because a lot of the time, like if... I'm glad that when, 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 when we started putting the marketing together and all that, we didn't really have a clue what it was going to be about. <laughs> Except, let's just call it the reality of Christianity, because anything can kind of fit in there with what we would probably share on. 
But it's like, if we had said certain conference topics, then, you know, that would attract certain types of people. When in reality, what should happen in the local church is we just say, we're having a meeting and everyone should come. That's the reality of it. Because the leaders have said, hey, we believe God's calling us together. And if you gotcha and we were going to pray for three hours, that should be fine. Because it's kind of like we're just in unity and, and, and going in a direction. But, you know, if we had, had said we've got a sec- seven secrets to financial prosperity and renewal in your life, then we wouldn't have had enough space and we could have charged per seat. And made money off of people wanting to make money. So the point is, is that like we're engaged in this war and the battle that's going on is like we have to ask ourselves, like are we engaged in this or are we ignoring this? Is this something that we're part of or is this something that we're kind of just ignoring? Because I've seen like, um, I'll I'll mention something which, which links to this and I'll link it for you later, but as believers, as a church, Okay, we're all part of the church. You know, one of the things that we have to ask ourselves is what is our purpose? Our purpose links up with everything I've just said. What is our purpose? What is our mandate? What should our focus be on? I'm sure nobody, uh, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody specifically today, okay? But I know that for all of us, probably at some point in time, our focus has been wrong. Okay? It's maybe in a little way, maybe in a big way, but we've, we've maybe, let's just limit it to focus in on what church is about. We've at some point probably missed it at some point, somehow, somewhere. Okay? Yeah, it seems that a lot of church loses focus in on what is church all about. Pretty easy. And some never had the right focus to start with. But you know, just with, with church... Think about this. Many of the, the verses in the Bible, in the New Testament, which we quote for ourselves, are actually spoken to the church. The books of the New Testament are not written, except for the, the letter written to Timothy. You know, those kind of letters, the pastoral letters. Okay? Exclude the pastoral letters and think about all the other letters. To the church at Ephesus, to the church at Colossae, to the church of whatever. Like, it's to a church, not to you amazing beloved saints of God. It's to a group of people who are, are, are coming together for the purpose of relationship and learning. I mean, if we want to look at what they're coming together, you look at the end of Acts chapter 2, they, they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. They were devoted to a bunch of things. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably get there later, so I don't want to talk about it now. But they were devoted to a couple of things. So the coming together of the saints is a devotion, a commitment to a couple of things. And then these letters are written to them. Not to, to the saints sitting at home by themselves. Okay? There's nothing like that in the Bible. There's no place for a saint like that. They'll still, Jesus loves them. They go to heaven. They might have a great relationship with Him to a degree. But they are not, uh, they're missing out on a lot. Yeah, basically what I realized in that is, I mean, even the letters written, like the letters written to Timothy. It's an individual, but he's a pastor of a church. Many people. God's heart is for community and people. That's part of the reality of Christianity. Not just, I've got the power. You know, not just, uh, I've got the spirit. Yes, I do. You know. 
I'm going to leave that one. But the point is, is that like, it, it's not just about me, it's about us. Where two or three are gathered in His name. And, and that's something that we've got to start to value more. So if we think about it, like what is, the, what is essential for church to be church? What is essential for church to be church? Before, I even, you know, I've got, I've got a, something else that I'm, I'm going to probably share on later, but these are just a couple of thoughts that I've had over the last couple of weeks that I've really just felt like God saying, these are some of the things we need to consider today. You know, what are the essentials for church? Because, you know, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. But here's the thing. We, we, the church, by and large, is overly concerned with things that we shouldn't be. I'm going to say it again, because some of us need to hear that again. The church is overly concerned with things we shouldn't be concerned with. The church is overly concerned with things we shouldn't be concerned with. And this is largely revealed in the way people choose churches. Okay, you guys are here. Well done. But a lot of people, no one here, obviously, but, <laughs> but a lot of people, like, they choose it according to certain things that church has got nothing to do with. Let's just read here for a moment. Second, oh, Acts chapter 2, right at the end there, verse 38, no, 39. Let me just get my Bible here. Can never go flat. Thank you. 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them unto all men, every man as they had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness, their meals with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should, as should be saved. Now, there's a lot of explanation we could do there. And I believe that it's describing what took place, not what should take place. And so we need to look at the whole of the New Testament in order to see what is church. But let's just look at what they focused in on and compare it to what modern day church focuses on. And I think we should be ashamed. You know, some, a lot of believers pick a church according to how the music emotionally drives them. They pick a church according to, and, and I, I'm not even, the, the, let, me, let me stick with this, the way that the music kind of touches them. Because, the, 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 and, and it's like, um, music, this is unfair on musicians, because musicians are expected to be professional musicians. Where they've got other jobs, and they're doing other things, and they can't focus on music like a professional would. But we're expecting them to be like the music CDs that we listen to and the, 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 the people on YouTube that we watch. And if it's not like that, we're upset. Now there's a heart in it that I'm, I understand, and I'm not talking about that just yet. But I am just talking about how um, people will jump from church to church when they're church shopping to, to find something that they like the style. 
Find that somewhere in the Bible and then let's talk. And I'm being dead serious. Because if that's how you choose a church, you've got a lot of growing up to do. That's not maturity. Maturity involves word. So we should be picking a church according to the word. I I heard a pastor say that um, uh, he had a a couple come to him and say, um, Pastor, we've we've grown so much in this church. We really appreciate it. And the word has just like helped us grow so, so much. But we feel led to go to this other church now because the worship is really just ministering to us in a way. You're never going to grow on that. That's not going to do anything for you. You know, I, I... let me read this. I must just find it first. I, I know I'm jumping ahead here as well, but yeah, I was. I don't know if I should jump ahead, but <laughs> I, I was. I, I've been studying thing, these things out and worship as well because you know, we, like, I want us to have a worship conference at some point, and I want us to focus in on that, and. One of the the challenges that I'm having while I'm studying this out is that there's a a greater focus on prayer than there is worship. And yet the people who are, 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 are overly concerned with music have usually got very poor prayer lives. Very poor prayer lives. Or they, they, you wouldn't catch them at a prayer meeting. Maybe dead, because then they didn't have a choice. <laughs> but they wouldn't be there unless they were dead. They would want people to come and pray for them, if they were dead. Because the singing wouldn't help. So, moving along. <laughs> yeah, we went to a, a wonderful church conference, leadership conference. Myself was there, Peter was there, and some others. And uh, they, they, they taught us a couple things about, you know, and it was some things were good and we learned that some things were, we learned what not to do. Um, but one of the things we learned on how, if you want a successful church, is you've got to have good music and a good children's church. If you want your church to grow, you've got to have good music and you've got to have a good children's church. Okay. No mention of evangelism or discipleship. No mention of spiritual growth in believers so that they can start manifesting Jesus. As I was preparing this, I said to Marina last night before I went to bed, I was like, I think I must maybe sit down and let everybody else go first. (laughs) Maybe I'll calm down and then we can come back and, you know. But I was just like, you know, let's just stick with the program. But I mean, these are the things that I, 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 I've, I've labored over and prayed over and, and prepared for, not to make us uh, feel bad or anything, but to help us move forward, to help us grow. Because like I said, you know, we, we, we want a, 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 a biblical culture of worship, definitely, of the music part of the service. Okay, And I, I'm going to be careful not to get into this today. But I believe that there's more that we can be experiencing. And like I said, I'm, we're preparing for, for, for something like that, whether it's a seminar or conference or something. But, you know, the, the, this is what's troubling me, is that, you know, why does the early church pray more than they sing? And you might be saying, well, they don't. Maybe that's just because it's not recorded. My point exactly. 
What's recorded is for our benefit. What's not recorded is not for our benefit. <laughs> it's not recorded for our benefit. Okay? So, you know, the early church is engaged more in missions and in, in, in prayer than in anything else. And I asked myself the question, I was on the, on, on the plane on the way back from um, Zimbabwe, and I was busy studying out um, worship. And I, uh, 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 the conclusion I came to, <laughs> and I'm still busy with it, it's not the, it was the conclusion on the plane, uh, uh, was, um, what would happen if we didn't sing in church? Besides some of you leave. What would happen <laughs> if we didn't sing in church? And no, but what would happen if we didn't pray in church? Consider those two answers. I think many of us have started to worship worship. And it's manifested in paying to go to worship. And then we, we neglect prayer and we neglect mission. But I believe... There's a higher calling on us as believers and as a church, which God, it, 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 if, if, you, if you look around the world, the, the different things I've been focused on and looking at in different organizations and ministries, something seems to be stirring. And God, I believe, is trying to stir up the church by and large to get back to what our purpose is. And our purpose isn't to have a nice local building where you can come have coffee. Although that would be wonderful. And I'm not against having that. But it's for a purpose. Okay, there's something that Christians are missing out on. A significance and a satisfaction. And you know what it results in? Many of the problems that you have. Whatever the problems are that you have. And you know what that results in? The pastors having to teach messages to address those issues that you have. And you know what would sort all of that out? Prayer and mission, which is purpose. And if we just got back to that, we'd all be <laughs> in a better place. Not dead, but we'd all be in a better place, as in happier, functioning well, and, and, uh, and health. Because I've never seen a believer who's healthy, who's not functioning in mission. Who's not uh, 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 engaged in prayer. And what do I mean by mission? Let me just answer that quickly. Definitely evangelism. Definitely being involved in discipleship. Being involved in the local church. Giving finances. Involved in prayer. Things like that. There's much to it. So, you know, what I want to talk about is more about our purpose and this divine privilege and extreme joy that we have. This invitation to be part of something extremely significant that will change your whole life. It'll change other people's lives. And, you know, it, 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 it's usually only, unfortunately, when a loved one passes or when someone, you know, when we're confronted with a death situation that we all of a sudden go, what, what's life all about? What are we living for? Okay, but God brought you here today so that you didn't have to go to a funeral for it. Okay, you know, at a funeral, usually they'll say something like, so-and-so fulfilled their purpose. And yet, we've got other sayings which say that, you know, the graveyard is the, the, the place with the greatest potential in the world. And those two thoughts are contrary to each other. Why? Because just because you're breathing doesn't mean you're fulfilling your purpose. <laughs> You've got to fulfill your purpose to fulfill your purpose. Amen? 
And it takes a bit of, bit of action, a bit of uh, grit. So we've got a high calling and invitation to live for something, to live for a greater purpose. And, and I mean, let me just say this, whether you embrace what we're going to say today or not, whether you embrace today, what we're going to say today or not, we haven't compared notes. You know, Etienne shared with me what he wants to share, and I was like, that's great, go for it. I can't remember what it is. But we didn't kind of plan together. I just said, pray about it, do what you feel led. Okay? But here's the, the point. Whatever we share, whether you embrace it or not, Jesus loves you. And He's blessed you, and He wants to bless you, and He wants you to have a good life, and you're eternally secure. But there's consequences if you don't embrace your purpose in life. There's consequences if you don't say yes to Jesus. There's consequences if you don't do the divine purpose that you were created for. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This one's going to bless you. And then we'll break for tea. And that'll bless you too. 2 Corinthians. I was very careful before I started to be like, Lord, I love these people. Help me not to come across as if I don't. <laughs> I love them. I want to, I want, this is something that's on my heart. It's not something that I'm wanting to beat people with. It's something that I'm like stirred up about. And this is what we, we get to live for. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 from the King James says, For the love of Christ constrains us. Constrains us. Now imagine that. Constrain. What does constrain mean? <clears throat> Limit. Hmm? Constraints. What is another translation that someone's got open? Say. Controls. Controls. Compels. Fuels. That's awesome. So it kind of like restricts you. It pushes you in a direction. It's fueling you towards something. What is fueling us? Christ's love. So this is the point that I want to make in the beginning. Our purpose is fueled by His love. Not by a sense of obligation. That would be legalism. Our purpose isn't fueled by, I have to do this or I'm going to miss out on something. Our, you know, we need to sit and focus in on, Jesus, you love me so much. Thank you that you died for us. And thank you for this and thank you. You, know, you need to kind of like stir yourself up in the love of God. Focus in on the love of God. Allow it to impact your heart. Because once it impacts your heart, what happens? You start to love God as a response to Him loving you. And you're like, wow, God, you love me. I love you. I mean, think about it in boy meets girl. Okay? The boy tries to woo the girl, what, you know, and, and she's not interested. Best, situa best example is Carl and Alicia who might be watching now. Here, our, our pastor's in Albania. He, he, she, he was interested in her and she wasn't interested in him. She ignored him, I think, for two years in church. They were in Stellenbosch together. And she didn't talk to him for two years. And he was like, she's my wife. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he would give her gifts. And you know, he finds out she needs a car charger. She buy, he buys her expensive car charger and gives it to someone to give to her. And she comes to me with this car charger and says, I don't want this. Like, I don't, why doesn't he just leave me alone? And eventually, like, her heart just softened. And what happened? She responded in love by saying, yes. <laughs> you know, and the rest is history. Now, I mean, that's a common, that, that happens, right? Imagine how God's love is hunting us down. 
And God's just, he like, He's poured out the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5. Gushes forth the love of God in our hearts, is what it's, how it expresses it in the Greek. Gushes forth the love of God in our hearts. So, through our relationship with God, through our relationship with Holy Spirit, we experience this love of God gushing from within us, which you could describe as streams of living water flowing from within us. What does that do? It compels us. It constrains us. It motivates us. Okay, look at the passion. For it is, the love, it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and holds us tightly. Do you know what's awesome about that? Is it means you don't have to motivate yourself for the mission that you're called to. You don't have to motivate yourself for the mission that you're called to. You don't have to hold yourself tightly in place to try and stay in the race. That would make a good fridge magnet. <laughs> the point is that we don't need to, it's not from our effort, it's from His love inside of us, flowing out of us. Because we are convinced that He has given us, given His life for all of us. This means all died with Him. So this is probably not underlined in your Bible, the next part, but this is a good one to, to highlight or underline. Verse 15. So that those who should live who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for Him. The one who died for us and now lives again. <laughs> this is saying that we, don't, we should not live a self-absorbed life. We should not live a self-absorbed life. Now to quote the song that I've been enjoying so much. And I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but the essence is correct. It's a beautiful line that says, Jesus rose from the dead and you can't get out of bed. <laughs> That's pretty good. Another line of that song, if you know it, then I'd love to... I'm not going to say what the song is or who it is. I'd love to see who knows it. But another line from that song is, How can you be so well fed but you're dead? Speaking to the church. This is the problem with us. And that song was written like decades ago. This is the problem with the church today. We're well fed, but we're dead. Except if it's, you know, if ESCOM's running and the, power, the lights can be on and the smoke machine and the oohs and the ahs and the choir. If everything's perfect, then we don't feel dead because we're being emotionally driven. But the life of the mission isn't there. The life and a prayer time isn't there. But as long as we've got goosebumps, we're happy. Okay? We, 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 we're living self-absorbed lives and that it's difficult to get up in the morning to do something for Him, but we, we, we're, He rose from the dead. <laughs> it's like, wow. You know, that's not to, to make us feel condemned or anything. It's to, to help us wake up and realize that there's more. Are you living a self-absorbed life or a life of abandonment for the king and his kingdom? Because this verse is showing us we're either living for Jesus or we're not. And he gave his life for us so we would live for him. And you can take that in a very legalistic way. Or you can take that as an invitation to life and freedom. So, yeah, what is life all about? What is purpose? Are we living on purpose, in his purpose? Look at Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians chapter 2, 
Verse 8, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So this is showing us that we're created unto good works. There's something good that we're created unto. Okay? And um, it's, it's not, that's defined in a specific way. It's not defined as we want it to be defined. It's defined in a specific way. So there's a battle going on for the hearts of mankind. And listen to this. We have the words of life. We have the words of life. We're going to get into 2 Corinthians 5 just now. We have the words of life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The next verse says you've been given a ministry of reconciliation. The next verse says, you've got a word of reconciliation. The next verse says, you're an ambassador of Christ. The next verse says, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? Verse 20 says, you're an ambassador of Christ and God is making His appeal through you. When last did God plead with man through you? Okay? But, but look at that verse. We love to take verse 17, I'm a new creation, amen. And we love to take, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, amen. And we put those two together. And we might sprinkle a bit of, I'm an ambassador of Christ, because it, it's kind of like VIP. And we ignore everything else, which is the meat. Otherwise, we're left with the bun. If you look at it as a burger. Okay, the bun is... You're a new creation in Christ. And you're the righteousness of God. That's the foundation. But what's in between? You've got purpose. You've got direction. You've got work to do. And yet for many believers, that's not part of the deal. The deal is I get fire insurance. And the deal is I can, can be blessed in what I'm doing. Everything I put my hands to is blessed. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm blessed. I'm not stressed. Go live as a missionary in Afghanistan or something like that and see how that uh, little phrase will do you. You know, you don't have to stress in the middle of uh, persecution, but the point is, we're not called to comfort, we're called to kingdom. That's the reality of, of, of our faith and of this life. We have the words of life, they're eternal words that have power to save if they're believed. And if, we, if these words that we have are not believed... There's eternal consequences to not believing these words. The words of life. But here's another side to that. If we don't share these eternal words, there's consequences for that too. There's consequences on the people that should have heard the words that we, want, we, 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 we should have shared. But here's one maybe you didn't expect. There's consequences on you too. And thank God it's not hell consequences. But there's consequences for, for us not sharing our faith and, 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 and living in our purpose. The words of life don't do any good unless they're shared. Amen. So Father, as we just close off this session and go to have a refreshing cup of tea or coffee, I thank you, Father, that you're just ministering to our hearts. and I just, I just thank you, Father, that we wouldn't just shrug off what we're hearing. I, I, I'm asking that we wouldn't just turn the page and let these be words on another page and another sermon notebook. But I'm asking that 
you would speak to us in all of this, Father, and trouble us with these words if you have to, so that we would rise up and shine. So we would allow these uh, truths to become part of us, that we would bring you much glory, Father. In actual fact, Father, this is true worship. Is saying yes to truth like this and then going and living it out. And so, Father, we just, we just thank you right now that <clears throat> you are good, you are love, you are faithful, that you've saved us for a purpose. And we just, we just thank you, Father, right now that by your Spirit, you just lead and guide us through these things. That we would change our minds, repent where we need to concerning things like this and concerning our purpose. And if anybody's realized and recognized maybe that they've been living more for themselves than for you or for any, anyone else, I thank you, Father, that they would just make a course correction in their heart. Thank you that you're empowering us by your love to make these course corrections and to, to live for a greater purpose, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're calling us to rise and shine in each of the communities that we're in, in this nation, in Albania, and in all the world, Father, you're calling us to rise and shine. And I just thank you that the, the Holy Spirit would just continually stir this call in our hearts to rise and shine with our time, our talents, our treasure. To rise and shine, to, to live for you, to make you known in all the earth, Father. Thank you, Jesus.